Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City. And I'm here, as always, with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder of New Life, as well as the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today we're going to have a conversation about an issue that has uh, caused a lot of uh, tension in our country. We're going to talk about racial reconciliation as it pertains to emotionally healthy spirituality. And so this is an issue that we have heard about all over the country, news, churches, protests. uh, It's all over the place. Uh, and yet EHS speaks to it. And so EHS uh, is not a program. It's, it's really a, a paradigm, a particular way of following Jesus, a particular uh, framework for theology and spiritual formation. And EHS actually was birthed out of a context of racial tension. And so uh, you mentioned that in a staff meeting last week as we were talking about Ferguson and Staten Island and everything uh, and the racial tensions that exist in our country. And you mentioned that the Emotional Healthy Church, your first book, uh, came out of the ground of racial tension. Can you talk about that? Because I, I found it to be incredibly fascinating. You know, what's so interesting is, I, and I hadn't realized until we were talking about it at the staff meeting, when I wrote the Emotional Healthy Church, it was probably an additional 100 pages, 150 pages, because it was all applied to the racial dynamic of new life. But then they realized it was two separate books, and so we took that out, and we said we'll get to it later. Well, it's many years later. But um, it is really interesting. So anyway, yes, myself, I understand we planted New Life Fellowship in 1987, and as you know, Rich, I'm (laughs) Italian-American. We aren't known for our, what's the word? Our finesse, (laughs) our love for other races. I brought home a Jewish girl in ninth grade, a white Jewish girl, as a friend, my father said, if you bring that girl one more time through these doors, I will break your legs. <laughs> she was white, okay, let alone everybody else. So I, I, was, I was raised in a particular environment here, and uh, Rich, your hometown, Brooklyn, where my family's from, was very racially divided. You know, years ago, my family was all there, and they were divided by ethnic neighborhoods, and you would get killed for going through the wrong neighborhood. Uh, so anyway, that's how I grew up. But I became a Christian, got involved in the Varsity Christian Fellowship, which very much uh, uh, birthed me when I came to Christ as a university student. I was immediately exposed to African-American staff, Latinos, uh, talking about reconciliation. So for me, coming to Christ and reconciliation were all kind of like wrapped up in mm-hmm. one. Uh, you know, and so they were inseparable for me. It was so interesting. I never thought twice about it. Uh, and so was, I've been engaged in this now for almost 40 years uh, since I came to Christ. And so uh, when we planted New Life Fellowship, very purposely came here to Queens, uh, this section of Queens, with a commitment to bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. So I had all my theolo- theology you know, done, and you know, I really had a deep theology of reconciliation uh, and deep convictions, enough that my wife and I went and learned Spanish and came back to Queens here uh, and dove in. Uh, there was never a question about me going to a all-white suburban environment. Uh, that was never even, never even on the radar screen. Uh, that's how deep the conviction was for me. Mm. So we planted the church. Uh, I spoke Spanish. So we, we, we were probably mostly Latinos in the beginning with a number of Asians and, and some African-Americans. Uh, uh, there weren't that many white people. There weren't that many white people in the, in the neighborhood. But we had a lot of tensions in the early years, first five years. I'd say we had 
uh, significant tensions racially. I remember juggling uh, Latinos angry at African Americans. I remember juggling Dominicans uh, who were feeling discriminated against by Colombians. I remember uh, Asians trying to leading. I remember we had one little Asian girl leading woman leading a small group. She was in her early 20s. In her group were African Americans, Latinos. She was completely overwhelmed mm. and got crushed by the group and quit uh, because she couldn't. You know, she couldn't manage all that was all the dynamics going on in the other rooms and people just weren't sensitive to each other. Um, and so uh, I said, this is not. We were racially diverse from the beginning, but. Uh, it was complicated, and I said I realized we were not going to break through this thing. Mm. So that was the early 1990s, and then when our Spanish split happened, really a lot of that had to do with race. Mm. And that was a whole other layer of educating uh, myself of the issues of race through Latin America historically and in the present. Uh, and so uh, EHS came out of yes a marital crisis, but it also came out of an, a real crisis for our church of we are not going to be able to hold together racially long term if we're going to live in community. Mm. It's one thing to have big services, that's easy, but to actually be in small groups uh, and living together in a close way, that was another level which I realized um, our discipleship, evangelical-wise, in a charismatic tradition, didn't deeply change people. Mm. Not, not, not to, you know, who, you know what's your, your great question? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the question, uh, a seminary professor mentioned at Alliance Theological Seminary, was the question of racial reconciliation is not can I be your brother in Christ? The question is can I be your brother-in-law? Like who can your children marry or not marry becomes um, you know the sign of whether how deep is racial reconciliation in your life? And so EHS, uh, when I've been looking re-looking at the chapters as it pertains to uh, racial reconciliation, it's amazing how much every chapter speaks to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, we, if you were to write a book on emotionally healthy reconciliation by taking these principles, you can easily do it. So I want to talk about uh, just two, two yeah. aspects of uh, emotionally healthy spirituality as it pertains to racial reconciliation. And first is just about feelings and grief. Yeah. How, uh, we talk about grieving your losses, um, feelings. How does grief and feelings applied to the issue of racial reconciliation and the gospel? Okay, that's great, great question. So uh, let, let me just give you a, a little example. So if I, as a white guy, <clears throat> don't grieve my losses, I don't feel, I don't do feelings. I do work, uh, I'm very good intellectually, but I don't feel my own pain. I'm married to someone, she doesn't, I can't really enter her pain either. But here you are as an African-American, and you're talking to me about the pain of being black in America, of being followed in a store, of being discriminated against at work, etc. And you're like frustrated with me because I don't, you don't feel like I understand. Well, I do understand it intellectually, but if I don't grieve my own losses, if I don't do feelings for myself, how the heck am I going to enter into your world and mm. feel your pain? Yeah. And so I realized that was one great example of trying to help African-Americans understand, this is why this white guy doesn't get it. I mean. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't get it for himself, or he doesn't get it for his own spouse or family, let alone understand your world. And so again, it was just very superficial connections that were going on in our church, and I realized part of it was we didn't even have a theology for grieving loss. Mm. And again, we have a whole, yeah, Jessica got it. You know, I think a biblical theology of we pay attention to it, we feel it, we wait on God, and we let him birth something new out of it. 
but we don't have a theology of grieving, period, in the church as a whole. And that has a big impact on how we do reconciliation. Mm. And so uh, if we can't feel, and, and our losses, our grief, and all that, uh, it's almost impossible yes. to have a reconciled community. Yes. Um, and so that's just one, one, aspect, uh, one yeah. aspect of it. Another is with genogram. Yep. How does, you know, we talk about the genogram going back to go forward, looking at the ways we've been shaped and formed and how that's inconsistent uh, with the, you know, the, the gospel and how Jesus is trying to form us. How does the genogram now, how can we use that to work towards racial reconciliation in our churches? Well, let's talk about it on two levels. One is just history, and the second is on a personal level. So, uh, I mean, to be involved in reconciliation, you have to understand how generational patterns and sins are transmitted from generation to generation uh, that lives in our bones. So let's take, for example, you know, I'll take just a history of African-American history here in the United States. So watching these protests go on. But to really get it, you've got to understand history and the history of slavery uh, over hundreds of years here in the United States, how this thing developed, how it became systemic, how it's institutionalized. But I've got to enter into that story. I've got to learn about it. Say Latinos, why, why, why this illegal, quote, illegal immigration to the United States? And what's, where does this all come from that goes back, again, to a whole history of the United States with Latin America economically. And so you've got to understand history, why you've got these tensions of Haiti and Dominican Republic. So, so I think there's a learning that it needs to take place of genogram, of going back to go forward yeah. to understand even where we are. Uh, that's on one level. And I think a lot of, uh, in particular, uh, white people like myself haven't studied it. They don't know the history. And, and so they just, okay, we're picking a racial incident like Ferguson at a, you know, out of a hat and it's terrible but not understanding all that's around that historically in, in the United States, um, you really can't grasp all the nuances that are going on. Mm. Um, and again, we can apply this to, to uh, Chinese with Filipinos, for example, mm. why all the levels of racism that go on in different parts of the world, and we're all here in our church, Rich, yeah. uh, and why it is we, we have these tensions and why someone once said to me, well, the fact that he's Filipino, that doesn't really count as an Asian. He's not really Chinese or Korean. Well, what, whoa, 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 what's that all about? Where's yeah. that, where would a comment like that come from? Well, that takes a bit of nuancing understanding of history, uh, again, going back. Yeah. So the second, of course, is your personal genogram, your family of origin, you going back three to four generations, understanding where you come from. And the reason that's so important is because, first of all, we're the new family of Jesus. And we've been birthed into this new family that transcends racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. That blood that, that unites us is the blood of Jesus. It's very important that we get that theology straight. But, so, we got, so we want to learn to live in this new family. But we have to understand what we're bringing to the table from our families of origin. That's what changed New Life Fellowship. Mm. That, that, this one principle of going back to go forward changed reconciliation. I can't imagine, Rich, trying to be a church that's reconciled without EHS. I, I can't even imagine it because it's not getting deep enough beneath the iceberg to actually touch racism. Yeah. Um, and so we do, what happens when we do genograms and we go back and look at how it shaped who we are, how, you know, whether it's abuse or how anger was dealt with or how our family did feelings, it breaks all of us. We're all broken after that. It, it levels the ground because everyone's, you realize how human we are, how broken we are, uh, and we come to the table differently. Mm. 
you understand? I, I can, I'm broken as a white guy. You're broken as a Puerto Rican. This person's broken as a Chinese or an African-American. It's all this tremendous brokenness. And so it enables us to understand where folks are coming from much better. It changes the conversation. Mm. We used to say, you know, if you're not broken, you can't come to the table and talk about it, at least mm. publicly, because I don't know if this is your stuff. Your, your anger is coming from a, a place out of your own unresolved stuff. Mm. And you may hate me, okay, because I'm a white, and all, what whites have done to you over all these years. Uh, and I, I can appreciate that. But if you're coming with some unresolved stuff, I don't know what's racism and what's, you got betrayed by your mom or your dad, uh, who was black, not Italian. And so, but I'm, but I'm getting that because you're unaware of it and you've repressed yeah. it and, and that's living in your bones. And so it gets very confusing to have a yeah. conversation. Yeah. That I think began to get sorted out in 1996 and, and following where basically if you were in leadership at New Life, you were doing a genogram. And we were talking about race, you know, very upfront. I think that was very big. And I, one last thing, I think with, with, with the genogram and EHS was, I think the contemplative, I, th I think it, it kept us from an idolatry of reconciliation. Mm. Because, in fact, there was a fellow, a professor at Fuller Seminary who heard me talk about, we were talking about reconciliation, it was at a seminar. And um, he says, you have the key to reconciliation. And he said, and the key was that, that that's not your goal. Mm. Your goal is Jesus. Yet you're committed to reconciliation as a byproduct of your passion for Jesus. As that New Life Fellowship is passionate about the person of Jesus. Reconciliation is not what you're first about. Mm. You're about, I'd say, oh, the contempt of you're passionately seeking for God. So therefore, there are no idols. Yeah. Church growth, reconciliation, whatever it might be, the poor, they're in their proper place. Yeah. Jesus is so front and center that it is, reconciliation does not take that place because when it does, it falls as well. Mm. I thought it was fascinating insight, which I'd never thought yeah, about, yeah. but he articulated it for, for me. Well, that's great. Well, I believe the EHS paradigm really serves uh, on this issue of reconciliation on a, on a seismic level here. Uh, and the cool thing is in January, we're going to hear more about it in that we have at New Life Fellowship a conference on the gospel and racial reconciliation on January 24th. Uh, if you'd like more information on that, you can go to our website. That's New Life Fellowship. Uh, Rich, tell them who's going to yep. be here. You have four, you're you're going to lead it. You're yeah, gonna so I'll be, I'll be um, emceeing the event, moderating the event. Uh, we'll have Pete. We'll have uh, Greg Howe, who's a preaching pastor on our staff. He's also the national field director at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And Greg has spent a lot of time uh, researching, studying, working out issues of race and theology. And he's Chinese-American. Chinese-American. We have Lisa Sharon Harper uh, from Sojourners. And uh, Lisa, you can follow her on Twitter and all that. And she's done some extensive work as well on uh, race and uh, church and theology yeah. and all that. And then we have Gabriel Sabguero, who is a uh, pastor on the Lower East Side of uh, the Lambs Church, as well as the president of the National Association of Latino uh, evangelicals. And so, all friends of ours that we're gonna have a conversation at a table, everyone will share, there'll be a panel, there'll be some uh, so going back and forth, some questions, some answers, and uh, it's in, you know we're opening up to the entire city here. And so it's gonna be great uh, January 24th. For more information, go online. It's great. Rich, one last thing before we close here. You, you, I'd, I'd be curious to ask you this question. When, I, when you became the lead pastor at New Life, you said to me that a number of people were surprised yeah. 
that I allowed or I gave the church to yeah. a non-white person. Tell, tell me about that. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. Where'd that come from? I think a lot, what was interesting was when we were in the conversation, one of the, uh, of the transition, uh, friends, just people that I know or people that I, I just had met and they heard about the dynamics of a white guy handing over the church to a Puerto Rican from East New York, Brooklyn, no less, uh, which if you're not familiar with uh, Brooklyn or New York City is uh, historically one of the more uh, poor uh, drug infested in the past, it was 80s and 90s. And so it, this is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? There was that kind of uh, feel there. Uh, but what was surprising from a lot of people is um, they saw reconciliation at work because reconciliation is about power um, or racism is about power and when when Pete a white guy was able to say we're going to transition the church and transition it to a, a young Latino uh, from Brooklyn that was a significant expression to uh, the commitment towards reconciliation because reconciliation is not I, and, and I'll close with this here reconciliation is not about just getting different people in a room that look different uh, for me that's like a sanctified subway car uh, we're no different than a subway car in Manhattan where everyone is in close proximity to each other but they look different but to be a reconciled community is about power about uh, listening are we going to enter into the world of someone else and allow that worldview that experience has shaped my life and so reconciliation is it's more than just getting people in the church building in a room that look different it's much deeper than that and when there was an exchange of leadership I, uh, people were very surprised by, and continue to be and i think it's a great sign of reconciliation that's great so uh with that said for more information on uh emotional health you can go to our website emotionallyhealthy.org you can go to newlifefellowship.org uh, as well or you can go to pizcazero.com. Uh, uh, is it .org or .com? Whatever it is, you can go there. Whatever it is. So uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.